Aurora here with Supercharged Science, Homeschool Science Curriculum for K-12. And I was going to outline a couple of educational traps that most educators and teachers and actually students fall into. But as a homeschool parent, if you know about these, they're easy to sidestep. Now, if you like this and you want more, I actually have a full homeschooler resource curriculum guide on my website. You can download it for free. Um, simply go to www.superchargedscience.com homeschool. So superchargedscience.com homeschool, and you can download that guide for free. Okay, what are some educational traps? Now, um, I actually started teaching mechanical engineering starting when I was 21 years old. I was a graduate student at Cal Poly State, which is actually the um, world's number two, or I'm sorry, the United States number two um, university in, uh, in mechanical engineering. So they're no slouch when it comes to MEs. So the students and the experiences I'm going to share with you come from that as well as working with uh, homeschoolers today. So what are we seeing? Well, 20 years ago, so rewind a few years, um, I was really amazed. I remember doing problems. We would solve a mechanics problem in physics and engineering. And really the difference between physics and engineering is engineering is more applied, but there's a lot of overlap there. And so we're solving a mechanics problem and we wound up coming up with a quadratic equation. So it's a math equation and it was quadratic and it amazed me that that equation stopped the students dead in their tracks. They couldn't actually solve it. Now I remember being really confused because I asked them, I'm like, you've, you've already taken this level of math and they'd be like, yeah, I'm like, well, can't you solve it? And they had this really strange look on their face. And the challenges that I realized later is it's due to compartmentalized learning. And so students, for example, will go to a class, like a math class, and they'll learn all these little equations and how to solve them. And then they'll, they'll sit in on a test, and then they'll pass the test, and then they'll forget everything, right? So then they go to a physics class, and they sit in on the lectures. They absorb what the teacher's saying. They'll take their little tests, and then when they're done, they'll, you know, they'll finish the final exam, and then they'll move on to the next course. The problem is there's no crossover. So the physics department isn't connected with the math department, but math is the language of science. Do you see the challenge? So uh, this has happened in my business as well. Um, we were wrapping wire. We actually have science kits. And so back then we were making them all ourselves in the garage. And so we would, we would have to wrap wire round and round and we made this winding machine out of like an old CD case and a drill and everything. And so it would wrap it around. There's a little sensor on top and it would tell you how many times a thing would go around. And so um, we actually had this new experiment we wanted to add. And so we needed longer wire. So I remember telling my mechanical engineering students who were working for us, I said, okay, we need this length of wire. Um, just figure out how many wraps you need. Now, if you don't already know this, all they had to do was figure out the circumference of the thing and that will tell them how long the wire is, right? They looked at me and they had this really confused look on their face like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, these are college students. I mean, you learn about that back in sixth grade. And so I said, well, you know, it's the circumference and you've got the diameter and you've got a way to do this, right? And they're like, yeah, but I'd actually have to see that in a book to really make sure that that's right. And I'm sitting there going, ah! <laughs> you need to take some of my science classes. <laughs> so one of the big traps is compartmentalized learning. And this is not just math and science, but that's where it shows up the most. Um, this happens with languages and business. If your students are taking business stuff, um, if they're taking economics, if they're taking history lessons, everything is just in its own tiny little thing. Um, and fortunately, a lot of great schools now, um, actually I just read an article for Car from Carnegie Mellon about how they are decompartmentalizing things. Cal Poly, what, 10 years ago, just implemented a program called CIE, it's the Center 
for in, uh, innovation and entrepreneurship, where they're now taking physics students and they're taking college of business students, I'm sorry, they're taking physics and engineering students and they're putting them together and they're creating businesses. So the physics and engineering students are creating products, the business students are saying, hey, I could sell that and they work together because you could just create and create all day, but if there's no market for it, you're never gonna sell it. It's like you could make the world's best cookies, but if you don't tell anybody about it, who's gonna buy them, right? So that's compartmentalized learning. And so this can come across everywhere. In fact, when I would, a real easy way to do this, especially for example, let's take a foreign language experiment, uh, foreign language experiment, let's take a foreign language example. Um, when my kids were learning Spanish when they were really young, um, I, we have farmer's markets here and a lot of the, um, the, the farmers that would be behind the tables would, were Hispanic, so they could speak Spanish very fluently, right? So I would go and I'd say, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. Um, you know, I want three crowns of broccoli and I want two bags of lettuce and here's the money for it. And if you order in Spanish and get the change back right, you can keep the change. Like not the dollars, but like the little coins and stuff. They were so excited and so motivated. So now what are they doing? They're communicating with strangers, with new people. They're placing orders. They're trying to figure out how do I not spend too much? Budgeting is in there. Um, math is in there for counting back the change. You got language because now they're doing it in another language. And it's just a simple example. There's tons of ways you can do this. Every time we go to the grocery store with my kids who are now um, six and nine, my two youngest, um, we, it's our spelling bee time. Because that way, as we're going through, I can think of, oh, how do you spell carrots? How do you spell Brussels sprouts? How do you spell broccoli? And if they don't get it right, they can look at the sign, and we have a technique for doing that so they, it's quickly, they can memorize it quickly, get it in their head, and then they've got it. And their confidence is sky high. And they go to the cashier and they're like, I got 21 right today. And so, um, so there are lots and lots of ways to do this, um, to decompartmentalize learning. Okay, one last example, and then I'm going to move on to the next one. The next one, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, my kids actually were in the lemonade business. I'm sure lots of little kids are. We didn't just stop there, though. So we had a lemonade business, but we would, we were their funders. We were their angel investors, and so they would get money from us, and they would have to calculate um, the cost of goods. Um, th they also had marketing in there, so. Uh, really quickly, my 14-year-old realized that he didn't look so cute holding a please buy my lemonade sign. And instead, he moved to a manager position. He hired uh, his younger brother and then his younger brother and sister to do the marketing. So we've got these little four-year-old kids holding a please buy my lemonade. In fact, the four-year-old got a homeless guy with no shoes to pay 25 cents for a lemonade. <laughs> so, so we got them simulating, doing a simulation of a real business um, just using something simple. And they had to pay us back for how, with their cost of goods and anything above and beyond that they were able to do. And we did the calculations with them. We helped them do that. Um, now they have to pay taxes. <laughs> so we worked that in there as well. They're not too happy about that, but hey, that's real life. Um, and so, uh, so we helped them plan that out. They also played with the price point. They figured out that if 25 cents a cup actually didn't make them that much of a profit, but if they did 50 cents, um, they made a decent profit, but they figured out if they did 65 cents, it was just enough that most people would just say, ah, keep the change. Uh, but that didn't happen with 50 cents. So they're also starting to learn about human nature, which is super cool. Okay, so that's trap number one, decompartmentalize learning because that's the way the real world works. And uh, getting your kids acquainted with that early on is is really key and you can do that as a homeschooler yes because you've got like the whole world at your fingertips and it's easy to implement one subject with another okay what's another trap that um, kids can fall into or parents and educators can also fall into um, uh, and one of them is 
this one I call textbook land. This is where you are doing all your learning from a book. And this is part of um, compartmentalized learning, but it's even more so because what, what you're teaching the kids is that there's only one right answer and it's found in the back of the book. And so that's not real life anyway. Um, and so the easy way out of this one is to bring a lot of hands-on experiments and hands-on experiences into your curriculum. Now, how do you do that? Especially if you don't have time, if you don't have the patience for it, if it's just not your thing. <laughs> so how do you deal with that, right? I mean, that's real. So a lot, of, um, a lot of good ways to do this is to find a curriculum program that has a lot of hands-on experiences. Now, if you're doing art, this is gonna be, you're not just reading about art, which art history's got its place and it's appropriate, uh, but that's not all art is. Art is also creative expression. If you're doing this with, um, for example, with science, you're gonna use a curriculum that has a lot of hands-on experiments that are open-ended. One of my, is a pet peeve, is that the right word? Is, you know, that you'll see in a textbook, you'll see step one, you know, fill a cup, step two, do this, step three, add that, and now expect this to happen. What scientist in their right mind is actually gonna do an experiment they know the answer to? Yeah, like zero. <laughs> so that's not what you wanna teach your kid because every time you do stuff, your kids are learning. They're getting messages about, hey, this is how we do things. Um, everything is very formative. The kinds of kids that have had this background when they come to our science camps and our science workshops, they're easy to spot because they're the ones who hesitate and go, whoa, I need directions. Whoa, what's gonna happen? And they're not okay just diving in, jumping in and rolling around and having that confidence inside that says, hey, you know, whatever happens, I can handle it, I can figure it out. So those are kids that um, really hesitate and that hesitation follows them through the, on through high school and beyond. And that's not the message you wanna give to your kids. Okay, so there's no one right answer um, to a textbook problem and you're getting out of the textbook Okay, so third thing that happens is um, actually what I, I think of it as like a V. So if you think of a V, when kids are really young, you only give them little bits, right? You're not just giving them the whole enchilada and say, here's the whole house, do whatever you want. No, you've got like protectors so the kids don't get, you know, so there's like things in the outlets. My, actually, my kid used to take them out and hand them to me and say, hey, I don't think this goes in there. <laughs> but he was like nine months old. I'm like, okay, that didn't work. So, so no, you're protecting them, right? You're closing doors, you've got the gates up so they don't tumble down the stairs, right? So they have very little control over their environment, right? So, and as they get older, you give them more and more responsibility, more and more control until eventually when they're 18, you know, you're pretty much in the back seat giving advice that they may or may not listen to, depending on your relationship with them. So, um, so that inverted V, I can think about the amount of control I give my kids education-wise. So when they're young, there are certain things that um, I'm gonna listen to that they're interested in, but I also have a bigger goal in mind. I can already see where we're going. So we're gonna learn reading, we're gonna learn spelling, we're gonna learn all these subjects, right? And we're gonna start to discover things through science and just by observation, by being curious. The further down we go down the road, the more I'm going to allow them to not allow them, the more I'm going to encourage them and provide them with more opportunities to sample different things so they can really get a feel for what's out there. A lot of parents do it the other way. So when their V is upside down, and because the kids aren't behaving or not doing what they want, they take away more and more control until they get to, it comes to a head where they really start to power struggle and the kids no longer want to learn about what the parents are providing. And so instead, 
instead of this, you can sidestep this by really stepping back and saying, okay, what are you really curious about? What are you really interested in? And then when they give you an answer like, oh, only basketball or oh, all I want to do is play video games all day. Get curious and ask them, well, what is it about basketball that you really like? You know, and you got to do it with rapport. You can't do it in a way where they think you want something. Yet you got to do it in a way like, okay, so what is it? Oh, I love being with my friends. I love it. Just, you know, the freedom of just playing and just, you know, letting everything go. I just love being so focused. And you're like, okay. So you got to find an activity that has those same elements or find a, um, deliver your science lessons in ways that have those elements. Okay, maybe a group setting is better. Maybe something that's super focused, but for a shorter amount of time. Does this make sense? So they, they're more than, kids are more than willing to tell you what that is, and that's the only way out of that power struggle. So if you're feeling a uh, resistance to your lessons, um, a lot of times uh, parents have their V upside down. Okay, uh, last little tip. How are we doing so far? You guys liking this? Okay, <laughs> so the last thing um, is easy to think about if you think about an orchestra. Now you've all heard orchestras play, big bands play, you know, they're really wonderful to listen to, right? Okay, so if you first picked up, you know, the violin for the first time, are you going to start in an orchestra? <laughs> no, right? That'd be crazy. <laughs> it's not appropriate, right? Okay, so it's a lot easier if you break steps down. Okay, so a lot of times people will dive in and they'll get so overwhelmed by all the details and they'll want to compartmentalize everything. That's kind of where it came from in the first place, that first tip we talked about, and break it down into super simple steps which is important in the beginning, but then they forget to put the steps back together. So physics isn't just a step one, step two, step three. Like it's not even, the fact that they can even put it in a book is amazing because with chapters and everything, because everything is like this spider web. All the concepts are interconnected together with a million other things. So um, when you teach science and when you teach subjects, um, it's important to slow it down, slow the tempo down. You're just gonna teach one concept for today and another concept for today and another concept and then you've got to remember to put them all back together or you're going to wind up like that first example in the classroom where we did all this um, all this analysis and physics and engineering got to a math equation and not one student could solve that math equation that they had learned how to do five years earlier because there's no connection so long story short you have a lot of flexibility with homeschooling and you need to know where you're headed and how to use the resources around you. Now, if you like this and you want more and you need help, especially in the areas of science, quite a few homeschoolers actually skip science or just glaze over it because they either don't have time or it's just too complicated or they just, they don't even want to bother with it. Um, if that's you, you want to go over to my website at www.superchargedscience.com slash easy. Like, wow, that was so easy. She's teaching my kid. I'm not. And my kid is teaching science back to me and they're so excited. I've never seen them lit up like this easy that kind of easy we also have um, I also give free classes um, monthly and you can sign up we have one in oceanography coming up next month I believe is biology um, and we have engineering classes and chemistry and so much more so get on my email list and get a personal invitation to these live classes you can your kids can ask me any questions they want and I will be presenting real content and which is just so amazing kids are gonna be making laser microscopes they'll make underwater robots they're gonna be making tons of things now our science program is what we call observational science so they there's complete courses in physics and chemistry um, we don't cover evolution or uh, creation because my science programs actually are used worldwide and there are a lot a lot of 
uh, folks that need help with the observational part of science, and that's what we do. So we're going to be showing you how to build a telescope, how to use a telescope, also how to build microscopes and how to use them, how to do dissections and all that sort of thing. All the things you need to learn how to observe the real world around you without getting hung up in lots of details, and you can supplement any book that you'd like, um, if that, um, for especially for the high school years, that are in alignment with your family's values. So our programs have been used by, I think, over 45 or 50,000 people worldwide, and it's still growing. Actually, I'm just adding content next week to our chemistry section. We have 150 new videos coming online um, into the program, so it's still growing. So your kids will learn how to make holograms and how to work with lasers. They're going to be making linear accelerators. Science fair projects are on there. Tons of things, and you can try it risk-free for the first 30 days. So just simply go to www.superchargedscience.com easy. And for those of you who are already part of our science family, I'm excited to be bringing new content to you along with a brand new website that just got released last week. So I will see you guys next time. Have a wonderful time with your kids today.